a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the KSL Greenhouse. Expert tips for flowers, trees, gardens, and soil. Our hosts are Maria Chaleos and Ton Bettis on KSL News Radio. Good morning, and thank you for joining us for the KSL Greenhouse on this beautiful Saturday morning. Uh, if it wasn't so cold, you'd be out, be able to get out in the yard and do a few things. Uh, good morning, Ton. Good, good morning. To be here this morning, enjoying this beautiful morning. Yeah, it's nice out there right now. Driving in southern Utah County up to South Provo mm-hmm. had snow. No. Yeah, it was just. Uh, there any clouds? It was just. It was light enough that it was just slick, and so oh. traffic was slowed down through there. It's probably gone by now. I just looked at her text, and mm-hmm. it says, total gridlock at the mouth of Big Cottonwood Canyon. Well, I'm sure. Who it's knows gonna what that's It's going to be a beautiful ski day, right? Yeah. Absolutely. If I was a skier, I used to be a skier, but then I'd my too. husband had his serious accident and uh, can't really ski, and I'm like, well, the only day I have off, I'm really not going to spend skiing without my husband, so... No. Yeah, I'm not out there enjoying the greatest snow on earth. And really, this year has been the greatest snow. So get out and enjoy it if you're a skier, for sure. I'm going to start the morning with the plan of the week, and that is cyclamen. And this is one that many people have seen in the grocery store or big box store, wherever they shop. Uh, it's not one that you actually have to go to a nursery to see. No, it's not. You're going to have your widest selection of leaf color or flower colors and leaf variations at a nursery, but if you go into any grocery store, any box store, you'll find them in the produce, the floral section. So cyclamens are only available in the winter. They are native to Mediterranean climates. In fact, you know, Greece, southern Italy, Turkey, that area is where Mm -hmm. they're native. And there's 20-some-odd species, and they've been hybridized to get bigger flower Flowers, different flower colors, different leaf variations. But how they grow is that they will start to leaf out and flower during the winter when it's cool. And so they prefer the cool kind of wet weather of the winter in that climate. So we're talking something something probably similar to San Diego, even up into San Francisco mm-hmm. for the United States. So for us, they are houseplants. They are houseplants. The end. And they, they're one that I've had a hard time growing. So I'm excited to hear this discussion because 
Um, for me, this is kind of a one and done. I get the plant. It blo- it's beautiful and bloom, and then I never get it to rebloom again, and uh, it doesn't always do so well. No, it doesn't, and 95% of the time, 99% of the time, that's what people do with them is just use them as a living flower display, and when they stop flowering, send them to green waste. Mm-hmm. If you want to keep them going, they're actually their growth habit is a little bit more similar to amaryllis to where they will have leaves on for eight or nine months of the year. And during the hottest time of the year, they go dormant. Well, this explains a lot. So what would happen is you bring one home and you want to get that in a bright but cool location because they prefer those temperatures below 70 during the day and below 60 at night. And so you want those cooler temperatures, and they can bloom up to three months. So you leave the flowers, you know, as long as they look pretty, and then as they start to fade, cut them off. And you want a deadhead so it keeps producing more flowers. But sometime May, June, those leaves will start to look yellow and a little bit ratty, and you can start to cut them back. And then June, July, August, they will be dormant. Well, that's usually when I throw them away. (laughs) It is. And so what you can do is take them out of the pot like you would an amaryllis and even leave it in the pot and store it in a room in the basement, a a pantry or just a cool basement room for 8 to 12 weeks. Pull them back out, start to water them, and if they've had enough sunlight, they will start to refresh relief and then during the winter they flower again okay that eight to twelve weeks you have to water them no okay because what's going to happen if i put it somewhere like that i'm going to forget about it and then it's going to be a problem yeah and so it's one of those things that you know larry sagers used to recommend putting something like that in a box full of fairly dry potting soil or wood shaving sawdust and then just have those barely moist and what he would do is take some cups just little kids, like eight ounce cups, mm-hmm. put them into the sawdust or soil like a uh, golf tee and just pour water into them and carefully seal that box up. And what will happen is that water slowly evaporates and keeps it humid in there, but not too humid. Right. But these are something that most people don't want to go to the effort, and I get it. But some of us want that yeah. challenge, that experiment. Yeah, if, if you, you know. want the challenge, what you're going to do is keep that in a basement room near a bright window. Or if your garage is warm enough, they might even be happiest in a heated but cool garage, Mm -hmm. you know, that stays 55 to 65 degrees. And so those are the areas that they really prefer. And the trick to keeping them going is just getting enough light on them and keeping them cool. Okay. What about water, though? Average amount of water. uh, They need to be watered during the winter. Every seven days or so, you know, they're actively growing as compared to a lot of other houseplants that go dormant. Then they also need, because they're flowering, at fertilizer in the winter, which is contrary to what we usually talk about for houseplants. And so you would use a half to a third strength uh, houseplant fertilizer, just a liquid, because you want lower nitrogen. And so you're trying to maintain the nutrients. But if you give a lot of nitrogen, you'll get really pretty leaves and not a lot of flowers. Okay, before we break, and I'm going to give the phone numbers here because our phone lines are open 801-575-8255. You can text the questions to 57500. Uh, but you talked about there are like 20 different varieties. Yeah, 20 species. Different, okay, species, yes. varieties, species. Okay, but 
they have different leaves. There are a lot of different uh, variations on the leaves that are very interesting. They are. There's variegated types. They have very interesting leaf patterns. And so when they're not in bloom, the leaves themselves, the foliage makes it worth growing them as a house plant. And so it's just one that I really like. Use them for that temporary living flower display, and then you can recycle them. But if you want the challenge of growing these, I, there are people that do it. And one thing else I want to mention, there are one or two species that are marginally hardy in northern Utah. And what you would do is just plant those out, and they are dormant in the summer, and then they leaf out in the winter or in the fall, and then in the early spring, they send up flowers. So which, and then they go dormant. Okay, which ones are those? Well, you can find them at and some garden centers. Yeah. When they put out like the gladiolas and those semi-hardy to non-hardy spring bulbs, mm-hmm. that's where you find them. And so there will be, there's outdoor peace lilies, the gladiolas. And then among these, you will oftentimes find the hardy cyclamen. And they're a little bit of a challenge. They're something for the hobbyist. But I've seen a few people with them, and I've seen them at one point at the International Peace Garden in bloom. So in protected areas, they will uh, actually you know, live at least for three or four years outdoors if you get the right species and plant them in the spring. Yeah. As a houseplant, this is great, though. This is a great one to get for Valentine's Day because how many bouquets do you know that will last, that will bloom? that long yeah there's not any if you want something like that it's got got to either be clancho or the cyclamen and uh clancho is a future plant i couldn't find any but uh Mm. yeah so future plant clancho if we can find some in the garden centers but cyclamen and clancho are two main winter blooming plants all right number to call with your questions 801-575-8255 you can text us 57500 Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story, the struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Good morning. Thank you for spending your Saturday morning with us. Ton and Maria with you, taking your calls right now. Phone lines are open at 801-575-8255. You can text us at 57500. Our first texter wants to know, Ton, they have a red twig dogwood that's about eight years old, has never grown its leaves out each year, and they want to know what's happening with it and what your opinion is on flame willow as a possible replacement. I would stay away from flame willow just because it can get big and it's aggressive. Hmm. And so you need a space for it to grow. And so if you wanted something like that, I'm assuming because of the dogwoods and the willows, 
it's a wet or at least an area that has moisture. Mm-hmm. And so if you were going to go the willow route, I would maybe look at dwarf arctic willow because it still gets 8 to 10 feet, but it doesn't really seem to spread as much as some others. Flame willows, unless there's some newer dwarf varieties, as I've seen them get 15 to 20 feet, almost like a great big bush. And they do look pretty, but for most modern yards, they're just too big. I'm a little surprised that they've put up with the red twig dogwood for eight years. Well, and they say it hasn't leafed out. I'm wondering if they're implying it's not growing like they would like. And so there may be some soil testing needed. I'm not sure because... Yeah, what would what would cause it not to leaf out totally each year? Disease in it. A really compacted or salty soil could do that. But uh, sometimes you'll transplant those and the shock from being transported and pulled out of a pot and replanted makes them more susceptible to root diseases. And so there could be something there. You know, if they wanted to try another variety of dogwood, I, or they probably, if it's just a red twig, it's probably a Santee. There's another called Bailey that gets 10 to 12 feet Mm -hmm. that will get that range of like the Arctic willow or not quite as big as the flame willow, but they could try the, the Bailey's dogwood to see if it got any bigger. But if the dogwoods have been struggling it, I would look at irrigation and maybe soil testing just to make sure there's nothing wrong. Yeah, I was going to say, if you're going to plant an expensive plant, you want to make sure that you've got the underlying problem yes, solved. I, and all of these are used initially, you're going, you know, especially if you have a long hedge line, you're going to pay some money, but they're all known for filling in very quickly. Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, you and I have been kind of perusing my landscape plan. You had given me a landscape architect to work with, and so I kind of brought the plans in today. Um, And just one thing I want to mention about that, you've been kind of helping me go through some of the the plants and giving me um, ideas. One thing you said this morning, though, is that everyone has their own opinion, and opinions vary so much on plants. Yes, and on the plan... Regent uh, Saskatoon's or the oh, Amalankar. I can always remember the Latin names and never the common. The um, a type of service berry. Service though. berry. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. Anyway, so it's one that I really like because it has really good fall foliage and then pretty uh, spring flowers. It does get some fruit that you can harvest, mm-hmm. but if you leave it there, the birds will get it, and it's never messy. But without regular maintenance, it can get very, uh, not really ratty, gangly. But if if you're familiar with forsythia, unmaintained forsythia, it can get branches here and there, and it looks a little wild and woolly. And so it needs renewal pruning every early spring or after it's done blooming. Then you still want to go in and maybe do just a light haircut on it, and you can keep them looking pretty good. But because of the, and it's not that it's a lot of maintenance, but the regular maintenance, it's one that I usually recommended putting along a back fence or just somewhere that's not front and center because it does require that regular maintenance. But with the maintenance, it can be a spectacular plant. Yeah. The other thing that you made me think about is, you know, I go to the greenhouse and or the nursery and I just pick things that I think are beautiful or are going to bloom at a particular time. 
Uh, and you kind of glance at the maintenance and and you you think, oh, okay, I have to do this. Then you plan it and then you forget all about those little specifics that are really important to keep those plants looking great. Yes, and that there is that aspect, you know, of pre-planning. And so one of the advantages of going with a knowledgeable architect is that they can spec out plants that will be lower maintenance because they don't grow too big that tolerate the areas in the yard where they spec them. And so if you have some afternoon shade or maybe an area of the yard sees uh, really hot sun, and so you can have these plants spec'd out for you and you still do need to research them because every plan has something that you're like, I might do that different, Mm -hmm. but you can get a really good start and just have it all laid out for you and save sometimes a lot of research going to garden centers and looking up all these plants, trying to figure out what they're going to do and what you might want to plant. Yeah. For us, it was also important to have drought hardy plants. Um, Even though it doesn't feel like we're in a drought right now, uh, it's still important for us to use water in a way that is more responsible. It is. You know, responsible water use. And that's probably the other reason those Saskatoon um, service berries were specked out, the Regent service berry, is because they only, once established, will need to be watered every two or three weeks. Which is important. It is very important. And so, you know, with a lot of cities going toward metered, tiered watering so that you have a certain amount you can use at this price and all of a sudden it jumps for every, you know, so many thousand gallons you use, these sorts of things are going to be important because it will help actually not just the state save water, but it will save your you and your pocketbook. All right, number to call with your questions, 801-575-8255. You can also text us at 57500. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.